So, good morning everyone. Uh, my name's Philip, for those of you who don't know me, and um, I'm part of the leadership group and on the preaching team and uh, giving Gavin a rest this morning. So, for those of you who are sort of here for the first time this morning, a special welcome to you. Um, if you haven't been uh, fellowshipping with us for the last few weeks, uh, we've been working through a series on Jesus's um, important teachings on the Sermon on the Mount. Um, last week Gavin was speaking about um, the, the topic of divorce and uh, Megan, his wife, spoke the week before on the, the, the topic of lust. So we're continuing this morning um, from Matthew chapter 5. So <clears throat> for many years now, we have heard people who want to become politicians making promises that they cannot keep. Or they seem to forget about their promises after they get elected. The Prime Minister or the Chief Minister might say, there will be no new taxes under my government. But then, a year or more later, when the government has spent too much money on other promises, they decide to increase the taxes to help pay the money back. The same kind of thing is true of insurance companies who find ways of not paying people for damage that has happened when there's been a very bad flood or storm. They might say, this was an act of God. Instead of helping people to fix the damage, they suggest that these people ask God to help them instead. If someone promises something and then they do not do what they say they said they would do, it can make other people very angry and upset. Jesus knew that people were doing this at the time when he was living in Israel. He said that it was wrong for people to make a promise and then not do what they said that they were going to do. Last Sunday, Gavin spoke about how easy it was for a man to divorce his wife after he had agreed to look after her, according to how the law of Moses was understood. <coughs> Yet it was always God's plan for a man and a woman to stay married for as long as they lived. Listen to what Jesus says about making important promises. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfil to the Lord the vows that you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it's God's throne, or by the earth, for it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. <clears throat> all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. We do not use the word oath 
very often anymore. <clears throat> but an oath or a vow is a serious promise that a person makes to God. It can also be made between two people or between two groups of people when they ask God to be a witness to their promise. For someone to break the oath was and still is a very serious matter. In the Bible there are other words used which mean the same as an oath. An oath can also be called a vow, a covenant or even a testament. Oaths or vows are still very important today. They're used to make sure that people keep their promises and to speak the truth. Our law courts still ask witnesses to swear an oath before testifying. When two people are being married at a wedding ceremony, they'll make vows to promise that they will stay faithful to each other for the rest of their lives. Sadly, it has now become quite common for couples to choose not to get married but to live together without having to make these promises. Vows are also made in our church at baptisms and at child dedications. Catholic priests and nuns make vows to remain single so that they can dedicate their lives solely to God's service. Oaths or vows are used in the form of a signed legal document, especially when someone has to pay back a large amount of money that they've borrowed. They can also be important in helping people to resist a certain temptation. In the Bible, Jacob was one of the, fir one of the first people to make a covenant with God with an oath. In Genesis chapter 28 it says, Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house and all that that you give me, of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Hannah made a promise to God when she was unable to have a baby. She asked God to give her a son and vowed to give her son back to God. She is remembered and honoured in the Bible for doing exactly what she promised. And when her son Samuel was still a young boy, she sent him away to learn how to become a priest for God. <clears throat> Jephthah was a man who made a foolish vow, which he was later to regret. You can read about that in Judges 11, 31, 30 and 31. 
And King Herod made an oath in front of all the people at his birthday party to give Herodias's daughter whatever she wanted after she had danced for him. He regretted his foolish promise when she asked to have John the Baptist's head served up on a plate. In the Old Testament, men who became Nazarites took an oath to, to honour God by not drinking wine or eating grapes or raisins and Nazarites would also not have their hair cut and they had to avoid touching dead bodies. In Acts 18, verse 18, we're told that Paul also made a vow to God and he had his head shaved to show that he had made the vow. Some people have made oaths or serious promises to God when they've been in a very dangerous situation and they've called out to God to save them. Like Jacob, they have pleaded and bargained with God to have their urgent needs met. I remember hearing from a man many years ago who promised God that he would serve him as a missionary if only God would save him from a really bad storm while he was at sea. This man went on to serve God faithfully in Papua New Guinea for many years afterwards. The Old Testament had much to say about making and keeping vows. In Deuteronomy we read that if you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay fulfilling it, for the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and you will be guilty of sin. But if you refrain from vowing, you will not be guilty of sin. You shall be careful to do what has passed your lips, for you have voluntarily vowed to the Lord your God what you have promised with your mouth. And later, in the book of Ecclesiastes, we read, <clears throat> When you make a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than you should vow and not pay. Don't let your mouth lead you into sin and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. And in Leviticus, you shall not swear by, na by my name falsely and so profane the Lord your God. And then again in Numbers, if a man vows a vow to the Lord, he shall not break his word. The practice of making oaths or vows was well known in Jesus' day and people talked about how these vows were to be made. The Pharisees and Sadducees also had their own clever ways of understanding and using oaths. Here's a question for you to consider. 
Do you think the extra laws made by the Pharisees and Sadducees were to make God's laws easier or harder to obey? Who thinks they were to make it easier to obey? Who thinks harder to obey? Okay, thank you. <coughs> we'll come back to that. What the Pharisees and Sadducees were teaching was that if you specifically swear by the name of the Lord, then you had to keep your promise. However, if you chose to swear by heaven or by the earth or by Jerusalem, then you didn't really have to keep your promise. However, sorry, as long as you hadn't sworn using the name of God, then you were safe. So the Pharisees and scribes were experts at fi in finding ways to let themselves do whatever they wanted without being seen to break the law. Jesus challenged these clever ways of changing God's law. He says, It makes no difference if you swear by heaven, which is the throne of God, or by the earth, which is God's footstool, if you swear an oath by Jerusalem, then it's the city of the great king. That's where the Lord will dwell on Mount Zion forever with his people. If you have made a promise, you are expected to keep it. Jesus talks this about this again with the Pharisees later in the Gospel of Matthew. Woe to you blind guides! You say if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by that oath. You blind fools! Which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You also say if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gift on the altar is bound by that oath. You blind men, which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Therefore, anyone who swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And anyone who swears by the temple swears by it and by the one who dwells in it. And anyone who swears by heaven swears by God's throne and the one who sits upon it. So often we are led to believe that legalism is a ratcheting up of God's commandments, asking people to do more than God says. But Jesus teaches that often the opposite is true about legalism. He teaches that the legalism of the Pharisees was an attempt to, to relax the requirements of God's law. In the earlier verses of Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus begins his teaching on the law, he says, Therefore, whoever disobeys one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. 
For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. What did the scribes and Pharisees do? They relaxed the requirement of God's law. They made more rules, but they lowered the standard to suit themselves. The problem with legalism is that it is always looking for loopholes, ways to avoid obeying all of God's law. And so the answer to my earlier question, were the extra laws created by the Pharisees and scribes designed to make God's laws easier or harder to obey? The answer is yes and no. Both answers are correct. Jesus criticised the Pharisees in Matthew 23 verse 4 in saying, they tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. What Jesus was so angry about was that the Pharisees and scribes were adding to God's laws to give themselves more freedom while imposing heavier laws on the ordinary people to make their lives harder. Jesus was telling the ordinary people how the Pharisees were changing the laws of God to suit themselves. Jesus was not happy about this and not surprisingly the Pharisees were very angry with Jesus for telling everybody about what they were doing. Even children learn these clever ways of not keeping promises. Did you ever do the cross your fingers trick behind your back? I don't have to do what I promised because I have my fingers crossed the whole time. Or to get out of doing what they say, they might, doing what they said they'd do, they might say, no, 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 it's opposite day today. Teenagers learn how to be vague or non-committal in their language, especially by telling half-truths. They might say something like this, Don't worry, Mum, I did my homework in the library at school during lunchtime. How will Mum know if I was at the library or not, or what my homework was? (laughs) Some people even go on to do this professionally. Some lawyers are hired to write loopholes into contracts and to spot loopholes in contracts that are not watertight. This kind of deception is not confined to lawyers but extends to people of all professions who are good at lying and telling half-truths. Jesus also spoke against people who would swear by some part of their body, in this case their head. In our Western culture many people may say, it's my body, I can choose to do whatever I like with it. But the Bible makes it clear that we did not make our own bodies. They have been given to us by God 
and we are to, to take care of them. God could take our bodies away from us whenever he wants. Jesus is asking us to think about this. Why would you speak as though you have complete control over your body when you are only caring for something that God has given you to look after? Perhaps some people are no smarter than the three little pigs when it comes to making oaths. After reading today's passage, we may well ask, is it right to make an oath? Jesus Is Jesus saying that we should not make important promises? There's no problem with making an oath as long as we do what we've promised to do. God himself has made many oaths called covenants that we can read about in the Bible. He made a covenant with Noah, with Abraham, with Moses and with King David and he swore by his own name that he would fulfil his promises. At the Last Supper Jesus told his disciples of a new covenant that God was making with his people. These covenants or oaths made by God give us hope that God will provide for us and overcome the evil in this world. Oaths help to provide certainty where it is possible that people may not honour their word. Some oaths are made by people who just want to draw attention to themselves. They make themselves sound important when they say, I swear to God that I, that I will do what I'm promising to do. They could easily make the same promise without swearing to God. Maybe they're trying to get other people to believe them because they don't think that they'll be trusted if they just give a simple yes or no. It is very careless to speak like this and we should stop our young people from getting into this habit. In the Old Testament law, God made provision for such careless talk, but there was a significant cost to it. If anyone thoughtlessly takes an oath to do anything, whether good or evil, in any matter one might carelessly swear about, even though they're unaware of it, but then they, they learn of it and realise their guilt, when anyone becomes aware that they are guilty in any of these matters, they must confess in what they have sinned. As a penalty for the sin they have committed, they must bring to the Lord a female lamb or goat from the flock as a sin offering, and the priest shall make atonement for them for their sin. After Jesus had been arrested, the disciple Peter became very afraid when somebody asked him if he had been with Jesus. 
Peter swore an oath when he said that he didn't even know Jesus. A few weeks later, when asked three times by Jesus if he loved him, Peter was more respectful when he answered, you know that I love you. This time he made a simple statement without using an oath. Jesus wants us to be people who do what we say we will do. We are called to be sincere people where our yes is yes and our no is no. If we are known to be trustworthy, then a simple yes or no should be sufficient. Jesus wants us to live honest, sincere, straightforward lives that conform to the truthfulness of God. Jesus knew that a man named Nathaniel was like this. Before Nathaniel was called to be a, a disciple, Jesus said of him, Here is a true Israelite, a man in whom there is no guile. What Jesus meant was that Nathaniel was a man who could be trusted in whatever he said. And it was probably the main reason why Nathaniel was chosen to become one of Jesus' disciples. <clears throat> In summary, it can be a good thing for us to make an oath or a vow, as long as it is done with careful consideration. It is better not to promise anything if there is any doubt that we cannot keep our promise. Instead, we should say, with God's help, I will do my best not to do this, or it is my plan to do that. This is then saying that we will try to do all that we have said. We should only make vows and oaths for our most, most important decisions. Oaths should be well thought out and always take into consideration the limits of our own sinful natures. For all other promises, a simple yes or no should be enough. Other people will eventually get to know if we are a person who do does what we say we will do. We shouldn't have to swear to God or by anything else every time we make a promise. Let's pray. Jesus, we want to thank you for your teaching and for the way that you uphold and value truth and for being our example. We confess that we often fall short of the standards that you require of us. Help us to be faithful and true in all of our daily tasks, whether they be by the words we speak or by our actions. We particularly ask that we can be good role models for our children and for those who look up to us as mentors. 
We want your name to be respected and honoured. In your name we pray. Amen.